Entrepreneur on Fire, episode 245. Welcome to EntrepreneurOnFire.com, where remarkable entrepreneurs share their inspiring story. Let their journey illuminate your path to success. And now, your host, John Dumas. Ciao, Fire Nation. Calling all domain names, Squarespace is ready to give you a new face. Setting up a beautifully designed website has never been so easy. For a free trial and 10% off, go to squarespace.com and use the offer code NATION. Fire Nation, you may have been hearing the buzz about Fire Nation Elite, and rightfully so. The path of an entrepreneur is lonely and scary, and Fire Nation Elite changes all that. I've created a two-minute video just for you at FireNationElite.com so you can find out exactly what our 100% support policy means. FireNationElite.com Okay, Fire Nation, let's get started. I am simply thrilled to introduce my guest today, Joe Knight. Joe, are you prepared to ignite? Ready and willing. (laughs) All right. Joe is the co-author of two incredible business books, Financial Intelligence and Project Management for Profit, both published by Harvard Business School Press. Given Fire Nation just a little overview, Joe, but take a minute. Tell us about you personally because we want to get to know you and then tell us about you and your business. I started my career after getting an MBA at Ford Motor Company, and that was good for about three years. All right. And that's how long it took for me to realize I wasn't meant to work in a large company. And from there, I left and started working with small business, became a consultant. And in my role as a consultant, I came across uh, two engineers who had worked for a small private company that, uh, in their opinion, was failing. Even though they didn't know anything financially about what was happening in the business, they could tell signs, they they saw signs, they saw meetings with management, they noticed that the vendors were being strung out when they were working with them in terms of payment. And so as they started to get more and more nervous, they decided, uh, having worked together for several years and liking working together, that they'd start their own business. And so they created a business called Setpoint, and they left this small company, which, by the way, eventually went bankrupt in about two years after that. Oh, so wow. their premonition was, was well-founded. And, uh, and, and because of their experience in this first employer, they started Setpoint, which initially was a manufacturing automation company, building machines that are used in production. Um, by the way, as a Parenthetically, the two had a dream of designing and building roller coasters someday, but this was a way to get started. And so <laughs> we, we, they, they started this automation business, but because of their experience with their former employer, where everything was very secretive, small private company, never knew what was going on as engineers, they decided they wanted to share their financial information with their employees. And uh, they wanted to do it on a weekly basis if they could. To do that, they hired a, a uh, CPA or an accountant to advise them, and they bought a copy of QuickBooks. And after six months in business, they were always arguing with the CPA who was telling them not to share information. They never understood the terms. They thought finance and accounting was very confusing when it should have been simple in their opinion. And that's when one of them called me. And I have a finance background. I was a financial analyst at Ford, and that's what I I got an MBA in at Berkeley. And so as as, uh, as I met with one of these engineers this, on this evening, he told me, Joe, I don't know why you guys make this so complicated. And he went up to a whiteboard and he said, when I get a PO for a machine that I build for manufacturing, I have sales. Then I have stuff to buy, exactly how he put it. He drew a line and he said, if you take the sales and subtract the stuff to buy, you get what I call aggregate remainder. And he said, all I want to do is track aggregate remainder. 
That's all I care about. And I told him, you know what? In finance and accounting, we call aggregate remainder gross profit. And he said, that is so cool. You guys have a name for that. <laughs> and that was, that was the moment that I became their partner. And I started coming in, uh, you know, a couple times a week. At the time, I was just working with small businesses and became their partner. And we developed a system whereby we could track our financials every week. It's a project-based company, so we did the, the accounting the way we wanted to, not the way the CPA said. And I told them that since, uh, since we're a privately held company, we don't have to follow GAAP accounting, the generally accepted accounting principles. We don't have to go along with what the CPA is telling them. We can make up the accounting any way we want, so we did. And that became a company called Setpoint. And that's been the basis of my entrepreneur experience. And that business has been around for 20 years now. We have about 60 employees. These two founders, by the way, have, have split off about four, maybe about five years ago, they split off and started designing and building roller coasters. They've installed four at this point and uh, do a lot of work with Universal Studios. Uh, but the one theme in our business is, John, that we always, we always uh, employ is every Monday at 1115. In fact, I'm going to miss the meeting today because we're in this interview. Oh, I'm sorry. We, it's no problem. <laughs> we go over all our financials. We look at how much we made our profitability, we measure that against our projects, and everybody in the company is involved. Uh, and so that's kind of how I got started in entrepreneurship and doing entrepreneurial things. We have since spun off several companies, and I've also started a training company called the Business Literacy Institute, where I basically train people in companies worldwide on how to understand their financial statements. Because what, what I've learned over the years is that there's a, a, a real challenge that people have understanding financial statements and how to read finance. And that is especially true with small business and entrepreneurs. Wow, Joe, I love that story because I love when you just have people, entrepreneurs in general, who are just bucking the trend. They say, you know what? This doesn't make sense to me, and I don't feel like I need to conform to systems that have been in place by people before me that just don't get what I'm looking for. And he was able to convey that to you. You were able to understand what he was conveying and come up with a system that worked for everybody. So that is just what I love about the world of entrepreneurship. It's just brilliant people, hardworking people coming up with solutions that work now or that work for their current system setups or business. So thank you for sharing that story. We're going to dive way more into Setpoint and everything else that you're involved with later on in the interview. But sure. before we do, we love sharing a success quote or a mantra to start the show. And I know you have a good mantra for us. I'd love for you to share with Fire Nation. So take it away. My mantra is very simple. It comes from Groucho Marx, who's one of my favorites. We still love the old Groucho Marx movies. But the worst, the Groucho Marx said the worst thing about doing nothing is you never know when you're through. And one of, the, one of the things I've always believed is if you're going to be an entrepreneur, if you're going to be in small business, just do something. Be active. Try things. Continue to try. When you, when you shut down, when you stop being active, that's when you fail. And uh, we've had failures. We've had successes. We've spun off businesses that haven't gone well. We've spun off many that have. But you've got to continue to do things, to do, 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 and be active. And, and when people say you can't do something, that's when you should keep pushing. When you stop being active, you fail. I love that comment. And it's also a perfect segue, Joe, into our next topic, which is failure, which are challenges and obstacles that as entrepreneurs we face every single day. And some people like yourself embrace that failure, that challenge, those obstacles, because you realize that that's part of the journey. That's part of what's propelling you forward and inspiring you onto big and better things. So share with us a time in your journey, Joe, when you failed or when you face a massive obstacle and how'd you overcome that? 
the set point companies um, have spun off several businesses, and I mentioned I also have a training business that's come out of that. Um, one of the big obstacles I had in the training business, and let me just back up the way Business Literacy Institute started, and uh, and by the way, the book Financial Intelligence is really just uh, a book that explains how we train finance. And 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 by the way, John, that book has been one of the top five sellers for Harvard Business School Press and in 2009 was listed as one of the best 100 business books of all time in a, in a publication from Penguin. Awesome. It's been a very popular book, but it's just a simple book, John. It just explains how to read the statements. And one of the obstacles we had with this business is, 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 uh, is what happens. I met a lady named Karen Berman, who was also an entrepreneur, who had just received a PhD in educational psychology. And she had done research. So when employees understand the numbers and the finances in a business, the business performs better. And so when she met me at a conference and I told her about Setpoint, she was fascinated because I was an, uh, a real-world example of what she had studied in academia. And the other thing she learned, and I didn't tell you this, but one of the things I did is I developed little one-hour modules on the income statement, balance sheet, statement of cash flows, a little bit about ratios in another module. And I trained all of the employees at Setpoint on how to read and understand statements. And she said, you know, that's very fascinating because I, I think if, if you could take that and train other companies on the statements, they'd be more effective. So we started this company doing that. And what I found is that the highest level in large corporations, Fortune 500 corporations, which I, I work with many, um, they don't understand finance. And so one of the biggest obstacles we'd have is, is, uh, is a CEO or a, C, uh, or a CFO uh, would would contact us and say, we want to start an executive finance training program, which is what we do. And we do it custom to the company. And they said, but, you know, I've read your book, Joe, Financial Intelligence, and it's too basic for my direct reports. They already understand finance. <laughs> and, and I'd always say, you know what, I've been training for many years now, and, and they really don't. You think they do, but they don't. You assume too much. And we, we would hit this wall over and over again. In fact, at one point, I was working with a, about a $4 billion construction company. And, uh, and their COO told me this exact thing. And I said, you know what? I'll tell you what. You want a full week course with case studies, but I don't want to do that unless we do one day of basic statements. And he said, well, I, I think my people already understand that. So let's do the one day with my direct reports here at the corporate office and let's see how they respond. And, and so we did that. And in the morning of the first day, he's sitting in the corner very quietly while I'm training these 30 executives in his company. And I start talking about the income statement. And I start training them about a very important number on the income statement. You're probably familiar with it, John. We call it EBITDA. And uh, this company made a lot of acquisitions, and so they used EBITDA. So I start training and talking about the income statement and how the, how the, the, the uh, EBITDA number is calculated. And one of his top lieutenants raises his hand and says, you know, all we talk about is EBITDA all the time. I understand the acronym and at least the words in it, but I want to know why that's so important in valuation. And this guy almost collapsed in the back. So, so John, he came to me and said, you know what? I know you need the basics. And we would hit this obstacle again and again. And so what we did is uh, in 2009, we developed a 21-question multiple-choice true-false test, a very basic finance test. And we decided to do a national study to see what the score would be for companies with at least 150 employees at the management and above level, above supervisor management, all the way up to the top. We included finance and accounting in our sample. And the average score in the United States on the simple true-false multiple-choice test was plus or minus 3% was 38%. Wow. And we had an independent university do that study. 
Harvard was so stunned by it when we presented that to them that they published the results in their October 2009 issue in a forethought article that we wrote for them. But the point I want to make is, is we, we were able to prove to our clients and to our customers that basic finance was a skill that is lacking even at the top levels in the executive suites in very large companies. And once we crossed that barrier and once we had that test in hand, when I heard that from one of these, um, one of these executives, I'd always say, you know what? Let's give your group a test. And uh, the, the, high, the high score is 61% as a group for a very high-level group at, at one of my companies. And typically, a very high executive group will get about 10 points higher than the national average. About 48% is typically what I see. And it's always stunning to the CFO or the COO or the executive that sponsored the study. But that is a great entree for our business, and it's created a lot of opportunity for growth in our, uh, in our training business, the Business Literacy Institute. And I mean, this is a true-false questionnaire. I mean, imagine if it was just a three-choice, multiple-choice. I mean, no, no, it, it, had, it, it was half and half, true-false oh, okay. and multiple-choice. So yeah, you're right. When you, yeah. when you get 8%, you're basically guessing. That would be <laughs> It's almost a guessing thing. Yeah, because at first I was like, man, a monkey would definitely score better than 38%. Yeah, I'll bet it's about eight true false and the rest is four, four answer multiple choice. But it's not too far off of what a monkey would score. Yeah, no, no kidding. Wow. See, that is so interesting, Joe. Yeah, and so that was an obstacle we overcame in that small business, uh, the Business Literacy Institute. Um, we, you know, another thing I've learned, uh, obstacles I've come into in starting businesses, and we've been agile investors in businesses. Since we're an engineering company, we get a lot of business ideas coming our way. And what I've learned is I've started a small business, and you might have heard this before, and all you guys out there listening to this, I just think this is really important to understand. We see tremendously great ideas all the time. Right. But the most important thing is the team executing the idea and the leadership. And and one of the attributes of that leadership group has to be, and mostly it isn't, most of the time it is not, but has to be humility. And what I mean by that is you need an entrepreneur who's willing to realize what they don't understand and get help for it. Even, even to the point where they find someone else to run their business for them because they're not at the right level or they don't understand enough to lead and run a business. And that is the biggest obstacle we come into. We think, well, we can work with this guy but, or this person, whoever it is, but if they're not willing to abdicate or to understand where their strengths and weaknesses are, you're going to fail. And that business is not going anywhere. Man, Joe, I just love that story for so many reasons because there's great life lessons, there's great business lessons, and you took us through a major challenge that you were facing in the industry and then an aha moment that you had to move through that and to where you now can get through to these people to show them why they need to apply these principles and this knowledge and these skills that you have currently. And I want to use that to segue to the next topic, which is the aha moment. You shared a great challenge and how you pushed through that. Now, share with us another story when you just had this light bulb go on and you said, wow, this is going to resonate with my authentic self or with my potential clients or in businesses that I'm going to work with. And how'd you turn that moment, Joe, into success? One of the things I'll tell you, John, is I'm a team entrepreneur. So I'll say this, this, the aha moment I had was a, was a company moment at set point. Great. There, we have several of them, but but one, you know, we're in an industry, our automation business, which is still our largest business, and I'll, I'll call it the set point companies. Um, we have about uh, four or five active businesses right now, and I can talk about them, time permitting. But the main business is this manufacturing automation. And the challenge with that business is you don't have barriers to entry. 
the barrier is you have to have good engineering and you have to be able to execute very efficiently because large companies buy equipment to uh, streamline or make their manufacturing process more lean and you have to efficiently build a machine for them, design it, program it, and get it together. And it's a very competitive industry and furthermore, companies continually go out of business. And initially in the business, working with two engineers and a finance guy, we always thought we would cost out a system and then we would add on our markup and we'd price it. Right. And we did that for years and years and we would bat- come up against other companies and we'd battle companies. And about 10 years into the business, and we've been at it for, for 20 years now, maybe 12 years, um, we had a, a consultant come and work with us and he looked at what we were doing and he said, are you really telling me that your, your products are the same as everyone else's? And we go, no, ours are, you know, we have a better, better quality and I think we can show that and sell that. And he goes, then, then the cost of your product isn't relevant. What's relevant is the value. And, uh, and, and it sounds very simple, but we started thinking about um, what, is our, what is the machine we're building worth to the customer? And, and what do we do that differentiates us from our, from our competitors that makes it so we don't have to do a cost plus kind of pricing? Right. And, uh, and we shifted our, our, um, our sales comp program to focus, to get away from the markup strategy and back in and more into a, a, a priced value priced uh, strategy, set the comp plan rather than on sales on, on gross profits so that when the salesman priced higher and priced for value, they got a bigger commission. And, uh, and within two years, our profits doubled, John. Our pricing was higher and uh, pretty, you know, we had a little bit less of a win rate initially, but now that we've established ourselves as a, 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 a quality-based, price-based supplier rather than a cost-based supplier, it, it shifted the whole way we think about the business and it shifted the way we were perceived in the marketplace because we changed the way our salesmen present what we do. And uh, it was kind of a, a, a metamorphosis of our business. And for the last five years, we've been able to generate enough profit and, uh, and cash flow that we've been able to spin out some other businesses that we're very excited for that would have never happened had we not made that shift in the way we think about how we priced our product. And so often in this industry, perception is reality and how you present yourself is first and foremost. So Joe, in just one sentence, give us a clear lesson that you learned from that experience of learning how to value yourself. The one sentence is, is you need to think about what you, where you add value and focus on the value adding and not worry about the other parts of it. Um, making a profit is what you are in business for. There is no other reason why we go into business but right. to make a profit. And so you need to focus on where you are the most valuable and, and, and stay in those areas. And when you think about pricing a product or, or, or value that you're adding, you need to get away from the dollars for hours, we call it, cost, or just markup. That is a, that's, a, that's a very difficult business to survive in, John. Powerful. And I talk about that on Entrepreneur Fire all the time, Joe, and I love how eloquently you put it. We just don't want to be in a situation where we're continuously trading time for dollars. That's just not what you're looking to do as an entrepreneur. You're looking to scale yourself, your time, your knowledge, leverage yourself, your time, your knowledge. So, If I could just say one thing about that. Um, we're, all, we're all in business, and we work a lot with accountants to do our taxes, and we work with attorneys 
to uh, handle our legal challenges. And when I look at my attorneys and my accountants and look at the way they run their dollars for our firms, it's, it's unbelievable how non-entrepreneurial those whole organizations are. When you run something dollars for hours, you have to work longer and work harder to make any more money. And you have to bill at a higher rate. And, and you don't see the value in that. And that those, those industries are, are very difficult industries because they don't run themselves as businesses. They don't think of how they're adding value. And when I look at those, those professionals, I think they're just suffering and the hours are working and they don't understand what it is to really run a business. At Entrepreneur on Fire, Joe, I get emails from people all the time that are really looking to follow their passions, follow their dreams, and start an entrepreneurial business and take their leap. And one thing that I always want to come back to with Fire Nation is we are in business to make profit. So I always say, listen, it's great to be passionate about something because that is just a very important factor of starting an entrepreneurial business. But you need to be focused on if it's a viable business because the ability for it to be a viable business is what's going to allow you to keep driving forward, to keep actually that profit margin at a level that's going to keep you sustainable for the long term. So thank you for wrapping that point up, Joe. You brought up two incredible points there that I'm really glad we got to kind of pull out for Fire Nation. And now I want to talk about your current business. You have a lot of exciting things going on. Talk to Fire Nation about one or two things that you have going on right now that you're just really excited about. Uh, We've got two new businesses we're very excited about, John. The first one is Setpoint Ammo. Um, We started building automation equipment for the ammunition industry about four years ago. We built machines that form the brass for cartridges, uh, cartridge loading. And, uh, and by the way, John, just, just, uh, for your information, I live in Utah and there's a lot of hunters in Utah, a lot of people who love, uh, ammo and guns and rifles. Right. I personally don't own a gun and have never been interested in this, but anyway, we started building (laughs) machines in this industry and we discovered that, uh, ammunition in the United States is made basically with 1970s automation technology and the ammo is very inaccurate and, uh, it's not very useful for, uh, for uh, people who really want to do precision shooting. So I didn't know this before, but we, what we found out in our research is that accurate target shooters that go out and compete all over the United States, we estimate there's at least 2 million of them in the United States, they hand load. They make their own loads by hand. Wow. And there's, there's a whole industry that makes tooling for this. Well, we thought this was absurd because we built automation in the automotive industry for years, particularly airbags where you have to be perfectly accurate with how you load an airbag, which is very much like a a bullet or a cartridge. It's an explosive device, even more explosive than gunpowder. Right. And so we took our technology and built a simple machine where we could load ammo and make it perfect. And we could load the bullet to the thousandth of an inch so it was more, more accurate than any hand loader could ever make. And we put up a website. And, uh, and we got licensed to do this. And so now a, a precision shooter can go online to setpointammo.com and they can put in, they can pick the bullet they want. They can pick the brass they want. They can tell our system how, to, how they want it loaded and how many grains of powder literally they want and we'll make a box for them perfect to their spec. And uh, that business has taken off in the last year and a half. And we're very excited about that business. And uh, it's, a, uh, it's a new thing in the industry. People told us we couldn't build the ammo at, at, at a low cost, but with our technology, it's, it's, uh, it's all automated. So it's very simple and the cost of a box is very competitive with even match grade factory ammo that is far less, ac- less accurate. So I'm very excited about that, John. A second business that, we, that we're starting right now is surrounding the book Project Management for Profit. Uh, 
Now, I mentioned to you that we developed a new system for tracking our financials that was not gap accounting that we look at every week. And it all surrounds how you look at projects. Over the years, people have come in and look at our whiteboards, come to look at our whiteboards. And by the way, John, you're always welcome if you're ever in Utah to come by. Thank you. I go to Alta every year to ski. Well, you come on by. You're, by the <laughs> right. way, you're, you're at the Rangan Resort, John, too. We can talk about that later. Okay, we will. But, but, uh, but anyway, um, this project management for profit concept started when, uh, when we had people coming and looking at our boards and, and they'd always ask questions on how could we do this and we'd show them and pe- there's companies around that have come in and seen us. We were featured in Inc. Magazine several years ago and, you know, there's few people using our system. But what really hit us is, is one of our, project managers went out on the road and uh, was, we asked him to work with one of our subcontractors who was doing a major component on a major machine and we said we need him to update weekly like we do so we know where we are in his project so we don't get our project behind. And so he set out to fly out and do this and work with this vendor on a, every other week and he was so frustrated because they didn't follow their projects, they didn't track the way we did and they, they didn't run the system the way we did that he set out to train these people and it took him about a month to get them trained. And then the project went fabulously once they understood how we do things and track the way we track. So he came back from that and said, Joe, we need to write a book that explains this. And that's what became Project Management for Profit. And so what we've decided to do is to take that book, which is selling well and we get a lot of interest in it. We have many people that will be beta sites for this, John, but we're going to take our system, which is an internal homespun system that we've written for ourselves, the software system. We're developing it online. And we're going to provide us a subscription service whereby companies can, can sign up for the project management for profit system, sorry, no and way. measure how they're doing financially weekly like we do. And we found that uh, a lot of the big companies that work with small vendors would love to have their vendors on the system because one of the things we can do with our weekly system is provide weekly updates to our large company customers on where we are on scope, schedule, and budget uh, on every project we have. And, uh, and so we think if we get that software out there, which will be coming out in the next six months, uh, we think that's going to be a tremendous business that will support the book we just wrote. Wow. And both of those books are going to be linked up in the show notes page, Fire Nation. That's entrepreneuronfire.com slash Joe Knight. Joe, you have so many exciting things going on. I mean, just it's great to hear what you're doing in the entrepreneurial world and the different avenues your business is taking with the automations and just... That's what it's becoming all about for entrepreneurs is being able to automate and be able to leverage both your time and your energy. It's just powerful stuff. And speaking of powerful, let's chat Squarespace. Do you have a domain name you want to buy, but you're not sure what to do once you buy it? Let me tell you about a great resource that can help you create a beautifully designed website in no time and help you get your domain name for free, Squarespace. Squarespace offers an all-in-one platform with features like drag and drop, which allows you to add content to your site straight from your desktop. This feature also makes it easy for you to move content around within the page once you started. We know not everyone was meant for the design world. That's why Squarespace also offers 24-7 customer support so you can ask the experts anything, anytime. Squarespace, everything you need to create an exceptional website. And Fire Nation, you can sign up for a free trial and get 10% off when you go to squarespace.com and use the offer code NATION. That's offer code NATION. This brings us to my favorite part of the show. We're about to enter the lightning round, and this is where I get to ask you a series of questions, Joe, and you come back at us, Fire Nation, with amazing and mind-blowing answers. Sound like a plan? Great. Perfect. (laughs) All right. 
What was holding you back from becoming an entrepreneur? You know, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you this as quickly as I can, but when I was at Ford, after three years, I'd been promoted three times and I was right below the management level. And I was in my late 20s, say 28 years old at that time, maybe 20, 26 to 28. And my boss was in his early 40s. He was an MBA like I was, a very smart guy, and he was one grade above me, one salary grade. So I was going to be promoted to his level in the next year, I was wow. told. And so one day I come into work at Ford and, uh, and this, my manager, he says to me, Joe, we need to talk. And I come into his office to talk. And this is in Dearborn, Michigan at Ford headquarters. And he said, we can't talk about this on Ford property. So he and I walked out of the building and we literally walked down out of head Ford headquarters and walked two blocks down the street. And then he started talking and he said, Joe, I've been at this company for 20 years and I'm at a management level now. You're going to be my boss within the next three years because you're on a high potential path. But I've watched you and I've watched the way you operate and you're too independent thinking. You're always arguing with the status quo. You're challenging things. And he said, I was the same way. And I got stopped in my career and I'm stuck here now because I make good money at this management level. My wife likes it here, but you need to get out. You need to get away from this. You need to go be who you are and that is not in a large company. And then, and then after he got done with that, he said, we never had this conversation. And we walked back into the building and I left the company two months later. Wow. And that changed my trajectory. I was thinking, you know, after get, doing the corporate thing and going, getting an MBA at Berkeley and going in finance, I thought, go the big corporation, ride that, that's, that wave, which obviously the wave has been dying since I've, since I've been in the workforce. Right. But that changed my trajectory forever. Wow, you owe that guy a birthday cake. <laughs> absolutely. I absolutely do. He did so much for me. And it took a lot of courage for him to do that. Definitely took a lot of courage because, I mean, he was admitting the fact that, hey, you're going to be my boss and I'm okay with that on certain levels, but I see so much more potential for you. And it, it takes a lot for somebody to, to do that when he himself was, quote unquote, drowning in his current situation. Yeah. And, you know, the sad thing was, was he was a really sharp guy and he was basically kind of telling me that if I'd have done this myself, I think I would be in a better situation too. Right. Working in a big company was holding me back, John, is the way to say that. Yeah, absolutely. So what's the best advice you've ever received? I've received a lot of advice over the years. Um, but I think, I think the best advice I ever received as an entrepreneur is to just continue on and uh, no matter what happens, no matter how bad things get, it can always get worse. Um, I mean, it can always, it, it can, it can always, there's someone that's doing something that's worse than what, or going through things that are worse than what you're going through. I'm sorry. And, you know, one time when things looked really bleak, um, my father sat down with me and he, he told me stories about people he'd worked with in his career and all these terrible stories. And, he, and after he told me all these stories, he said, now is your situation worse than any of those? And I said, absolutely not. And I know this sounds funny, but I'm, I'm a finance guy, so I come with the world this way. But he said, no matter how bad you think it is, somebody out there has it worse. So all you need to do is just keep driving and keep working and keep going. And that's where Groucho Marx comes in. Um, the worst thing about doing nothing is you never want know when you're through. So when you're down and when you're challenged, and that will come as an entrepreneur, yes. you need to keep moving ahead. You need to keep fighting through it. And just know, and maybe it doesn't work for everybody, but for me, I always think, you know what? No matter how bad I have it, there are people who have it worse and have come out of it positively. And I'm going to come out of this positively as well. Great insights, Joe. What's something that's working for you right now? You know, one of the things that, that's, that's working for me is, is, uh, is to think about how I use my time. What I've learned is that if I stay out of the trees and uh, look above the forest, 
in my companies, I'm much more effective in helping my companies grow and develop. And that was, that's been a big transition I've made in the last two years uh, to focus on using my time for overview, for board review, to look at the big picture and not get involved in the, the details. Hire people to handle the details. Hire people to handle the, uh, the things that drag you into day in and day out routine things. Delegate results. Don't delegate process. These are all things that I've learned because one of the things that we talked about earlier is one of the, one of the things we have to do as entrepreneurs is leverage our time. And leveraging our time means we need to focus on strategy, not on tactics. And I think I've made that transition. And as I do that, the other thing I think about is how do I spend my time? I still do training. I still go out and speak, do keynote speaking and and do training on finance. That's the one thing I do that's a day-to-day task. Other than that, I'm trying to get to a higher level where I'm thinking about how how to do things rather than, or thinking about the strategy of things rather than the tactics of things. And I think a good entrepreneur has to make that transition at some point in their career. Wonderful. So Joe, do you have an internet resource like an Evernote that you're just in love with that you can share with our listeners? The, probably the best internet resource for us is GoToMeeting. We have a lot of, you know, my, my uh, training business is remote. We have people in Ohio, in the Boston area, all over L.A., three or four people in LA. And so we have a go-to meeting every, uh, every week. And we also use go-to meetings extensively at set point because we have a lot of, um, installations out all over across the United States. And that makes it possible for us to share information, look at information, uh, in one place or, or in, on the computer, no matter where we are remotely. Cause I run remote businesses. I hear that. And Citrix is a full-time sponsor of Entrepreneur on Fire. And so I've really been able to work with the management team over at Citrix, and it's just really exciting to see what their vision is for the future and where they're looking to take this kind of interaction, which is so paramount, so important for this virtual world that we live in. Yeah, and GoToMeeting's a great product. It really works well. It really does. Love it. HD Faces. So Fire Nation, you can find the links to this resource and everything that we mentioned in today's episode by going to entrepreneuronfire.com slash Joe Knight. So Joe... We're going to be linking up financial intelligence and project management for profit in your show notes page as well, both incredible books. But if you could recommend one other book for our listeners, what would it be? Well, I'll tell you, this is an old classic book that, that, uh, that really got Setpoint started. It's a, it's a book called The Great Game of Business by Jack Stack. And, uh, and, and just to give you a little background, that book is about a, a Jack Stack was a plant manager whose plant was being closed by a large company and out of desperation he uh he bought out the plant and just shared the numbers with his employees and in this book the great game of business is a story of how sharing the numbers empowered the employees and all and transitioned this business into a successful uh company called springfield remanufacturing corp and uh, the great game of business was the impetus that started set point when the two engineers that founded it um read that book and said, you know what, we can share numbers just like Jack Stack did in The Great Game of Business. Um, that's the book that was the foundation of what we do at Setpoint, and I think it started everything. And I recommend uh, those of you that want to see a classic and a, an old entrepreneurial classic on the, the concept of sharing financials and being open book. Uh, that's a great book. Wonderful. And Fire Nation, you love audio, and you can get the audio version of this book for free by going to eofirebook.com. It's a gift from Audible to Entrepreneur on Fire listeners, eofirebook.com. So Joe, this is the last question, but as you know, it's a little tricky, so take your time. Uh, 
no, digest no it, then come back at us with an answer. Imagine you woke up tomorrow morning in a brand new world, identical to Earth, but you knew no one. You still have all the experience and knowledge you currently have. Your food and shelter is taken care of, but all you have is a laptop and $500. What would you do in the next seven days? Based on my entrepreneurial experience and the kind of entrepreneur that I am, I'm a team entrepreneur. I don't like doing things alone. I like to have partners that can, uh, that can work with me and that we can and work together and form consensus on the decisions we make and the things we do. So the first thing I would do in that circumstance is I would network. I would first identify the hot industries in that economy things things where things are moving fast and where there's a lot of opportunity. The second thing I do is I identify the key players, try to get their backgrounds and understand who they are. I would go to um, any kind of event or anything where I could network in those industries with those players. And then I would choose, hopefully in the next seven days, it might take a little more than seven days, but I would choose and find uh, a business where I could align myself and, and uh, partner up, maybe even offer my services uh, for free initially for the opportunity to develop a relationship in that with that group or with that industry um, that that would be my focus is finding the right place for me and and getting in with a team or a group that's already on a trajectory that would would bring success joe that is some incredible advice and in one sentence let's sign off with a parting piece of guidance from you then tell fire nation how we can find you and then we'll say goodbye well, based on my background, the, the parting sentence I would have is, is uh, the, the most important thing in any business is to make a profit. And if you're going to be successful, you need to understand how you make a profit. And that's, that's the key to, to business, in my opinion. Awesome. And how can we find you? You can find me at joek at setpointusa.com. Joe, Fire Nation is well aware they can find all these great resources, links, your books at your show notes page, entrepreneuronfire.com slash Joe Knight. That's Knight with a K. Joe, thank you for being so generous with your time, expertise, and experience. Fire Nation salutes you, and we'll catch you on the flip side. Thanks, John. Glad to do it. Now let's give it up for our five-star reviews. Alejandro1712, Los Lane, Aztank, J. Mitch3, Lounge Lady, Jeff Whitaker, Mark on Fire, O. James, and C. Ghostwriter. Thank you so much for supporting Entrepreneur on Fire, and I look forward to thanking everybody who does the same. Thank you for joining us at EntrepreneurOnFire.com, your daily dose of inspiration. Prepare to ignite.